In this episode of the Unfold the Soul Bless His Heart Leadership Podcast, we got fights and bites, baby. I mean, this is the most extreme day I've had in my young principalship. Welcome to the Unfold the Soul Bless His Heart Leadership Podcast. This show examines the good, the bad, and the ugly experiences of a leader at that school. The content for this one-of-a-kind podcast will be the real, raw, unvarnished, unedited, and at times uncensored journal entries by the school's former principal. So get ready to lean in, learn, laugh, grow, and at times even gasp with your host, best-selling author, speaker, leadership coach, and status quo disruptor, Ken Williams. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Ken Williams. I'm feeling good. You know how we do it. Waking up on the right side of dirt is always a good thing. I hope everyone out there is doing well. I want to thank you for all the support. At this point in our very young podcast, we've had over 1,400 listens. And I don't know what that means in podcast world, but in Ken Williams' world, that's a big deal. And I have to tell you, For those of you new to this podcast, I read entries from my journal, a journal that I kept with no intention of ever sharing entries publicly. You know, I've told stories over time to colleagues and family and friends, but I made the commitment to read everything verbatim, the good, the bad, and the ugly, not to sanitize anything. And I have to tell you, this is the ninth episode that I'm doing, and it's the first time I'm a little bit nervous about sharing this incident, what I wrote, and more importantly, what I did. A a part of me wants to give you the excuse that um, it was a different time when I was a principal. I mean, things were different back then, but, you know, as I review this episode, I don't know that uh, things weren't that different, but I probably got away with uh, what I did because it was a different time. I mean, Everybody's born with cell phones and, you know, like one click and you're recording everything. So uh, let's just get to it, man. You know, I made the commitment. I'm going to do it. This is what happened. I've grown from the experience. I'm not going to tell you that I have tons of regret. I laugh at it more than anything else, but it's different when you share out. So before we get into it, I want to thank you for all the support. For listening, we are up to, in our young podcast life, 1,400 listens so far as of the recording of this podcast. And I don't know what that means in podcast world, but just the idea that 1,400 times this podcast has been listened to, I don't know, that that really feels good. So thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. And also thank you for leaving a review. That really helps. It helps with... um, the exposure for the podcast and how well it's seen in uh, Apple podcast world and on other platforms. I just appreciate you. That said, you didn't subscribe to this podcast to hear me uh, drone on and on about how a scared. Yes. A apostrophe S C A R E D a scared. I am of sharing this episode with you. You didn't, you didn't subscribe to hear me afraid in this buttery baritone. You subscribe so we can get to that journal, baby. It's time for the read. 
Here's perhaps the most extreme day I've had thus far. It starts with two fights in the AM, one involving fourth grade and one involving fifth graders. I want to send them a firm message early on that I will not tolerate this type of behavior. So I called an emergency assembly with all of the fourth and fifth grade staff and students. My goal was to have their undivided attention and to let them know that I expected a lot from them. It was also to inform them that if they fought, they would leave me no choice but to suspend them for two days. And I believe I was clear. I also came face to face with my first case of abuse. One of my second grade girls had belt shaped welts. They were shaped like horseshoes all over her back. Turns out that the police were called and the aunt who had custody was arrested. At lunchtime, I, I left the building to stop by Chick-fil-A and guess who I saw there? The little girl who was abused. Unreal. For this last part of the read, I'm gonna change the name of the student, all right? So, that afternoon led to my meeting with Mr. Freddy. Yes, the kindergartner's name is Freddy. He weighs about 35 pounds soaking wet and his goal was to tantrum his way out of school, and I was having none of it. I found early that parents were being called way too often to help with these matters, or in more cases than not, to pick him up. Again, keeping in line with high expectations, students have to be present to learn. So I've been insisting that they stay in school. We will deal with the crying and the tantruming for a day or two, then the kid will realize they aren't going anywhere. That's how you break them, baby. One more quick note for context. In exchange for this new expectation I had for keeping kids in school, even in the midst of their, you know, early in the school year, crying and tantruming, I offered myself as a first line of support if the crying and tantruming became an unduced distraction in the classroom. So that's what happened with Freddie. And I went to pick him up and I brought him back to my office. Now, as I was explaining to him that he would not be going home, that little shit unleashed 35 pounds of fury on me. He even tried to bite me. And that's when I held his arms from behind, picked him up, held him about six feet in the air and turned him, if you picture an analog clock, I turned him to 9.15. And at that point, he said over and over again, I'll be good, I'll be good, I'll be good. Unbelievable. So if you haven't unsubscribed yet, it's now time to go into some reflection. First things first, the, the the fights that occurred. And mind you, this is still August. This is still, this is the first week of August. Our, our year has just begun. And these two major fights occurred. So when I brought the fourth and fifth grade students and staff together, I know earlier on in my principalship, I would have probably focused so much more on the consequences that will come with any future fights like that, you know? And I did mention it in the journal entry that I told him, hey, if you fight, you're gonna tie my hands. Like you are, you're giving me no choice but to send you home for two days. 
but it wasn't the main thrust of my message. I don't remember how long, for how long we met, but I can safely say if we met for 30 minutes, I spent 20 minutes with the clear intention of speaking it into him. You know, this is the part of my leadership where I lead like a coach. I'm trying to bring out the best in them. So while, again, I did mention consequences and you have to do that, my real message was, I expect more of you and here's why. You're better than this and here's why. My goal was to give them a reputation to uphold, to plant seeds. I knew it wasn't gonna change uh, the student culture in one day, but I needed to start planting some seeds and really focus on who I expect them to be, you know, the greatness they have within them, the models that they are at the school, you know, who they represent, like you're the face of the school right now. And so my goal again was to speak it into them, give them rep a reputation to uphold as opposed to always speaking to the negative behavior. And I can tell you with some sense of pride that I, I carried that mindset throughout my leadership, not just with students, but also with staff. My goal was to, of course, call out any policies, practices, decisions that were misaligned with excellence, with who we were seeking to become as a school. But I really tried to invest more time into speaking it into them. Uh, giving them a reputation to uphold, speaking to the expected behavior, even with the smallest issues, like, uh, for example, please walk instead of don't run, right? So I'm, I'm speaking to the expected behavior. I'm correcting a misaligned behavior and planting a seed for what was expected of them. And I believe it paid dividends. To this day, it does. Speak to the expected behavior. As for the second incident involving the student being abused, I mean, that was just heart-wrenching. I mean, my heart hurt reading that again. I don't have a ton of reflection, though. I, I think I was, I, mean, I read it to you because I wrote it. And I can, I can go back more than a decade ago and still remember how I was feeling when I'm ordering my, you know, number one extra crispy and I look around and the student who issue took up the entire morning as it should have was sitting at the same Chick-fil-A enjoying lunch. I, I, I don't know. I, maybe you have some thing I can reflect on. I don't have much more today than I did back then. I think I was just shocked to see her there. I mean, having the police at the school and having to make that very difficult call. I mean, abuse calls are always difficult. This one was pretty cut and dry, but you know, they're, they're always difficult because, at least in my experience, they the typical abuse cases often nuanced where you're wondering if something's going on but not sure and do you wanna cause all of this disruption, but you've gotta you know, lean toward the safety of the student first, you know, even at the price of discomfort. So again, I read it because I wrote it. I read it to you because I remember that time and just how surreal that moment was to see her at that restaurant. And I invite you to share any reflections or stories or things that we can learn from it. All right. And now to Freddie. His name is not Freddie. 
I mean, that's obvious because I was like, yes, this kindergartner's name is Freddie. Listen, every time I tell that story or I read this entry, I go back to that time. I didn't write this down, but I had a Palm Pilot, baby. I had a Palm Pilot. It was silver. It was nice. Cutting edge. I don't remember what tradition. But that sucker took that Palm Pilot when my back was turned and put teeth marks in the corner of it. I forgot to include that. I'm not telling you that to justify what I did. I'm just telling you he was a whirling dervish of 35 pounds, baby. So before you send this podcast to the authorities, let me make clear a couple of things. One, when when I picked him up, it wasn't uh, to hurt him. It was... uh, it was, I did it to change his base. I just needed almost like shock value. Uh, there was no pain involved. I didn't squeeze him hard enough. He was light enough where I could literally pick him up like uh, like you've got two kettlebells in your hand and you're doing like a shoulder exercise where you raise them straight arm in front of you. And so that's what I did. Now listen, I don't have any other incidents in my career where I've picked a student up like that. But I'm not afraid to tell you that I was I was always physical. Uh, and let me just do the public service announcement. You should not put your hands on a child ever because you're putting yourself at risk and a child at risk. That said, that's one of the reasons why I was so relational because I wanted to be that kind of influencer. You know, I, I did some work today on site and one of the examples I used was, hey, listen, when you grab a kid, you know, I put my arm around his neck and I'm walking him down the hall and 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 kind of talking into his ear so that everyone doesn't hear. If you got a relationship with that student, you know, that that's uh, the student will welcome that. If you don't, that's mistreatment. That said, I don't know what came over me in that moment. I just need to change his base. I mean, he was peeling the paint off the walls with his screaming and tantruming, and I really did not want to call his parents to come pick him up. So I want to be clear, I'm not recommending that you add this strategy to your leadership practice. Don't do it. But I I did it, and I (laughs) shouldn't laugh, but I still remember he was in the air. I'll be good. I'll be good. I'll be good. And then I put him down, and uh, we talked about some expectations for when he returns to class, and I walked his little ass back to class, and we were all good. And for the entire rest of that year and the next year, anytime I stopped by his classroom, he would leap out of his seat and come give me a hug. We were best friends from that moment on. And even though I had no idea if there was going to be any fallout, to my decision. I'm really glad that things worked out well. Again, we were best friends after that. Listen, short of literally picking him up, I've always dealt pretty well with um, shows of emotion, whether they be from students or staff. I, I think it's, it's, it's part of my upbringing. You know, my mom was a disciplinarian in our family, and uh, if we did something wrong and needed to be disciplined, you, we, we, we would put on Broadway shows. We would try to. I mean, I remember, you know, she'd be chasing my behind, ready to whoop my ass, and I'd run into a room and I'd see a bookshelf and I'm pulling the books off the off the shelf and having letting them fall on me to make it look like there's some disaster happening. 
And my mom was never phased by that. You just better take whatever's coming to you and keep it moving, baby, because uh, you're not going to drama your way out of discipline. And from what I've learned about my mom, I think she grew up in a family with, um, I believe, six brothers and sisters, that she was a daddy's girl. And my grandpa, my pop, was he was stern, but she had his eye and his heart and I believe she would turn it on. She'd turn the drama on and work her way out of uh, situations where she needed to be disciplined. She'd work her way out of it. And I believe it gave her just about no tolerance when me and my sisters tried it. And so I just have a knack for understanding what the outcome is of whatever we're meeting about. And if an adult or a student needs to emote you know, cry. I just keep name brand tissues and stuff. You know, the ones with the uh, with the lotion in them and stuff. I keep that on hand and let folks work through all their emotions. And as soon as it subsides, we're gonna get back to what we came here to talk about. Like I've I've always been really good with that. Um, it doesn't distract me from the outcome, but I can empathize. I'm not a cold-hearted leader i just i just let folks work through what they need to work through but we still gonna talk about that thing we still gonna talk about that thing baby if i had to characterize that leadership trait in me it would i would describe it as being able to empathize without compromising expectations and that is something again i've carried with me through the rest of my school leadership into you know my work as a consultant trainer, and coach. I have a couple of challenges for you in this episode. The first one is, are you conscious and intentional in your leadership about speaking to the expected behavior? Because again, you can do both. You can address the aberrant practices, behaviors, and policies, things that need to be changed, disrupting that status quo, while also speaking to a desired vision, a desired set of practices, desired behaviors. It's very second nature to me now, but then it was something that I was very conscious of and very intentional about, right? Talking about why fighting is not good, the consequences moving forward, and also talking about how you can be better. I know you can be better, and I believe they can be better. Why, because I knew them so well? No. Because we were building talent in the building, talent that would help bring out the best in our students. Because once again, it's always about the talent in the room. It's always about the talent on your staff. I'm not going to tell you that in August, I knew every fourth and fifth grader so well that I could see their greatness right there. I just believe in the power of human potential, that that unlimited field of possibility to leverage, bring out, and bring forth one's greatness, and that's part of what we're there to do. We're there to ensure learning and bring the greatness out of students. So when I was speaking that into our students, and I'm not going to tell you our entire staff was ready to uh, carry that message forward, but I knew that's where we needed to go. And so when I talked about who I expected them to be and the kind of leaders they should be and the face of our school, I didn't base it on the faces in the audience, and I didn't... Uh, base it on their backgrounds or who their parents were and who their parents weren't. 
I based it on our staff, the talent on our staff. My second challenge for you is around what Rick DeFore, God rest his soul, taught us about reciprocal accountability. And in a nutshell, that means for every expectation you have of your staff, you've got to provide an equal amount of support and resources for them to get it done. So this is a relatively simple example where I really wanted to keep kids in school because, you know, bouncing them and calling parents to pick them up had kind of become like part of the fabric of our culture. Just in my couple of weeks at the school, just the number of kids being picked up, the number of suspensions, the number of times we called parents from work to come get kids, it, it disturbed me. Um, and, and so I knew that's something I, I wanted to change. And I'm not going to tell you that staff just uh, bought into it and, and, and swallowed that expectation like a, a spoon of warm honey. They didn't. They pushed back with some very legitimate questions. I mean, you know, when this kid's raising hell in my class and it's to the point of distraction, what are we going to do? Like, what alternatives can you offer, Mr. Williams? And so I'm not telling you it was the right decision to make, but I offered myself as that last resort. You know, after you've gone through your steps of trying to de-escalate the situation, of trying to make the child feel more comfortable, then you can call me. And I can tell you, early on in my principalship, man, I was called a lot. Eventually, we developed uh, more systems that could better support teachers and uh, so that I didn't have to be so, so much in a reactionary mode. You know, like on call with a beeper. I just took somebody back 30 years with the beeper reference. But early on, for me to, you know, communicate this expectation that we're going to keep kids in school, you know, at all costs, you know, short of extreme circumstances, it wasn't enough to just tell my staff that and, and walk away. Like put that in a memo in the staff newsletter and walk away. I needed to offer some support. Now, the support could have come in other forms. I you know, I could have taken time to uh, rally some staff members and form a group where, okay, if this is like level one, you know, this person is deployed, level two, this is what happens. But in that moment, I offered myself and I'm, I was fine with it. But the bottom line is reciprocal accountability is just that. The principalship is about hunt, gather, protect, and defend. In my mind, once we identify the collective commitments around the right work that's going to move the needle for achievement, my job is to hunt and gather everything you need to get that work done. I won't do excuses, but if you've got some tools, resources, training you need, I will go get it for you. And so to this end, once again, I wanted kids in school, and so I was willing to offer myself as like a, <laughs> like a, a holding area to try to de-escalate them. On the next episode of the Unfold the Soul, Bless His Heart Leadership Podcast, have you ever read something years later or seen something that took you back to an incident that triggered visceral anger over what the f happened that day? Well, I'm gonna tell you right now, that's what we're dealing with on the next episode. 
I'm going to need to read it several times and do some deep breathing so that my reflection is not full of F-bombs and other niceties. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of your week. I will see you next week. And remember, no matter how crazy things are, when you wake up on the right side of dirt, you playing with house money, baby. You playing with house money. You've been listening to the Unfold the Soul, Bless His Heart podcast with Ken Williams. For more information about Ken, visit unfoldthesoul.com.